Hey, I'm Peter Medlin, and you are listening to Teacher's Lounge. If you have never heard this show before, you're in luck because it's a super simple concept. We think that teaching is a pretty unique profession and that almost everyone has a teacher, professor, or coach that inspired them or helped craft the person that they are today. So tell us about the person who comes to mind when we say that. Shoot us an email at teacherslounge at niu.edu, and hey, they could be featured on the next episode of the show. Today on the show, we have two principals who happen to be podcasters themselves. That's right. And if you're a longtime fan of the show, you might remember our episodes with Lisette Jacobson and Maurice McDavid. They are both principals at Pioneer and Turner Elementary Schools in West Chicago, respectively. And they're the hosts of the podcast, Black, Brown, and Bilingue, a show about social justice educators trying to unite the black and brown communities with interviews, conversations, professional development, all sorts of cool stuff. It's a great show. You should totally subscribe to their show, too. It was a joy to have them on our show on Teacher's Lounge to talk about identity and intersectionality and what that means in education. We talked about Illinois' culturally responsive teaching standards that Maurice helped write, the nonprofits they're both starting on top of everything else, and so much more. How about we just jump right into it? Here's my conversation with Lisette Jacobson and Maurice McDavid, which, of course, starts with us discussing my pandemic beard. So enjoy. Is that new? Is that COVID beard? This or? is COVID beard and long hair. This is how I show that time has passed, you know? <laughs> I like it. It works. You know what? It, it makes you look distinguished. Yeah, that's, you know, a great way of saying not 18, right? <laughs> and that's what I was going to say is you don't look 18 anymore. <laughs> Which You're 18 is, for real? No, he's not 18. Uh, no, he looks 18. I do when I, when I shave. I'm curious, how does it feel to be on the opposite side of the microphones again here? Um, much more relaxed this time. Really? I think that, yes, I think that after you hear yourself so many times and after you've recorded an episode, because I do all the editing, Maurice, you know I have to say it. I do all <laughs> the editing. Oh, it's a one-man band over here. I'm, yes, I'm, jealous and- of the, I'm jealous of you guys that you guys have a co-host. Because, you know, no. by the very nature of my show is that, like, I'm talking to strangers for extended periods of time. So you guys got someone to bounce off of, at least. Yes, that is really nice. Um, but no, Marie shows up for interviews. <laughs> but as- Listen, I do oh. the important part. If, if my, I bring a certain dynamic. And so, uh, and I would say we together uh, really have something. Uh, and so I, I do my part. I just... No, but... but- yeah. Sorry, to go back to your question, though, uh, after you edit yourself so much, you pick up on your own speech patterns, and then you're like, oh, I really have to stop saying that. Oh, yeah. Mine is finishing every question by saying right at the end of it. So everything is comma, right? Like I, I'm trying to incite an answer out of them or something. So I've I've worked to try to beat that out of me, but it still rears its ugly head every once in a while. Mine, Peter, is is we are so we're ecstatic to be here. <laughs> ecstatic is my favorite. Word. And then and then after somebody says something, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I know it, and I hear myself doing it. And I also say, uh, uh, I also say, I'm curious before I ask a question. I'm, I'm curious. I wanted to ask. <laughs> it's, which I guess. Recently, I'm wondering if. <laughs> I do a lot of so, and I'll I'll be I'll just say at that. So, do you? That's <laughs> I'm still so, formulating what I'm going to say next. Uh, 
I just realized I, I've been perusing. I just realized that your podcast has a merch store. So I've been yeah. perusing the merch on there with the, you know, getting the stickers and the mugs. And I, you guys are both sports fans. It's got the, the triple B's in there, the, you know, BBB. I always think of the, you know, like LeVar Ball, like the big baller brand. So I, <laughs> whenever I see them, any of the mugs and stuff, and I'm always like, not big baller brand. <laughs> yeah, where, where are the other BBB? <laughs> and actually, I think that's funny you bring that up. I think of Better Business Bureau. All um, very that's... distinctly different companies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. How many episodes have you guys done now? Because I know that you're just starting a new season coming up, right? I just did it again. I just said it right. Mm, there you go. <laughs> That's okay. I wasn't going to call you out on it. Actually, I didn't notice it. But I agree, absolutely. Um, and Peter, by the way, we are ecstatic to be here. Um, <laughs> I am too. <laughs> I think we are at 15 episodes that were released in season one. And that includes our bonus episode. And then we've actually released after that two more, three more. That, yeah, so three we more. Had in the vault. In the vault. Are you guys good at working ahead and having them loaded and ready to go, or is it kind of a fly by night? We need to get this recorded by next week. No, you know what? For season two, we are actually super busy. We recorded one. When was it, Maurice? Yesterday? No, Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday, and then we've got some more coming up next week. We've got some. I almost don't want to give it away. When is this coming out? When is this airing? This isn't. See, this isn't going to air for a couple of weeks now because we already have the next okay. one. I've I've banked the episodes too. This will be out. I think. Yeah. Um. Next Wednesday, we are interviewing Neil deGrasse Tyson. Get out. Are you serious? Yes. 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 Neil deGrasse. Do you want us to plug you, Peter? <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say no. What am I doing? No. Yeah. How, how did that happen? Lissette's husband has taken on the role of manager. Yes. And Brett, um, good friend of mine, um, and he is, you know, he and he said it. He said, listen, I sent the email and I didn't even, I didn't expect, you know, even uh, maybe not get a response at all. You know, heaven forbid, like we actually got a response quickly and was like, sure, that sounds super interesting. And he you know, hit us to up. Do it sooner. Like we were thinking maybe April. He's like, how about next Wednesday? Oh and we were like, okay, let's do it. That's amazing. So Neil deGrasse Tyson is going to be on the show. And Brett and I, when we started dating, actually when we were newlyweds, um, he's the one that introduced me to Carl Sagan's Cosmos. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say, and are you so, guys big Star Talk people? Yes. And then eventually we Got into like quantum physics and the black holes, and then I like um, that. Eventually, we got into uh, quantum physics, black hole. You know, <laughs> things got wild. Casual. Things got wild in their marriage. <laughs> yeah, we started dating, and then quantum eventually, and... marriage always leads to quantum physics. Yeah, yeah, and then um, <laughs> then when he came out with, you know, how he redid the cosmos, it was just, you know, we lo we love him. We love Neil deGrasse Tyson. So he actually is black and brown. So I don't think a lot of people know that. But we just feel like he's the perfect person to have. And it's just exciting. Is he bilingue? I don't think he's bilingue. Maybe, maybe. We're going to find out. That'll be we'll one of our questions. We'll yeah. And then another person that we have, um, he's not as perhaps well known, but is Felix Sanchez. He's... Um, like the president of the National Hispanic Foundation for the Arts. So he is like in Hollywood. 
making sure that there is uh, media representation for the Latinx community. So we've got some, and then we we interviewed some authors like this. We're really excited. Season two, you gotta listen. It's pop. I I'm a loyal subscriber. You can find it everywhere that you find podcasts. In fact, I have been in preparation. I have been binging episodes of the podcast today. So like, I'm a little starstruck now too. It's like, oh my gosh, these are the people from the hosts. This is... He really is black and she really is brown. <laughs> we have no evidence. So... Nosotros hablamos español claro. <laughs> you got me there. Lisette and you, oh, you guys were both two of like the first couple guests that we had on my show back mm-hmm. oh, like fall 2019. It's been it's been a hot minute. Maurice, you were on last year too, but a lot has happened since then. I know, Lisette, last time that we talked, we both believed in Mitch Trubisky still, so like a lot has changed in our lives. Um, <laughs> you know, I re-listened to that interview, and I'm like, ooh, that didn't age well at all. Now, <laughs> now we're all in uh, the Russell Wilson sweepstakes. Like, come on, oh, come on, Russ. Come to show. That Ross Cook. Yeah, it, season, coming, uh, season two of your show, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, we were, I, and I, I I, was cracking up and I'm like, I cursed it. I, that was my bad. I, I, I have forbidden myself from talking sports on this podcast after that moment. Cause I'm like the minute that I say anything about Zach Levine, it's, it's, it's all toast. It's all over. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot has happened, you know, obviously we're in a pandemic now, um, but thankfully, you know, Maurice and I are pretty optimistic people and we're ones to look for silver lining in situations. And so we're like, you know what? We're at home now. We've always wanted to do something like a podcast and collaborate on a project. And so with COVID and being kind of stuck at home, we're like, let's do it. So from the last time that we talked to now, you know, things have kind of taken off a little bit for us. And uh, Maurice is actually working. Now he's one of my colleagues. So at that time when I talked to you, Peter, he wasn't um, a principal in West Chicago yet. And look at that. Here we are. That's right. I, Maurice, the last time that, you know, the first time that you were on the show, you had Kafuti, And now that whole mantra has taken on such a new light, right? <laughs> During a pandemic. Keep your hands and feet away from everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've thought about doing a pandemic remix, but now we're hopefully on the way out. And so I... I um, I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it go and just let it stay kafuti. However, I did get an email from uh, my children's school, which is still there in DeKalb. Yeah. Got an email from one of the teachers requesting the music video for Kafuti because she wanted to bring it back up. I said, "Hey, you know, some things do age well." Maurice, so that conversation about Mitch Trubisky, no, but Kafuti oh. is still a hit. I want still you to hit. know, Maurice, that Kafuti pops into my head once every two weeks for like the last two years. I can't escape it. <laughs> so I guess that's Maybe good. It's an earworm. It's an earworm. It, it, yeah, it is. It is definitely. It's, it's, um, I just, I happen to find, I'm telling you, that's a YouTube beat. You know, that was a, hey, free YouTube beat. I found the beat and then I just hit them with the 90s. You know, you got to come in hard with the kafuti. You know, and, and that's it. And you just bouncing it. Yeah, it's, get the, it's a bop. Get the, it's a bop. Get the that 808s going and it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, Lissette, you just mentioned a little bit about, you know, pandemic hit. You guys always thought that you want to do something. Can you run me through a little bit more of the origin story of the podcast? Sure. The origin story. 
dates back to let's at least say 2016. I mean, we met in 2011. Yeah. Right. But 2016, I believe is or no. 2015 yeah. is when we started grad school. Yeah. Right. So we started uh, gra our graduate program at Northern Illinois University and we realized very quickly, like we're the only others. He was the only black man in the room. I was the only Latina in the room. And so naturally we gravitated towards each other and we would leave classes really fired up talking about social justice issues, you know, inequities, things of that nature. And we would always tell ourselves like, we should be recording this. This is good stuff, especially because we have the black and brown dynamic going, which you, it's not very typical. There's not a lot of that dynamic out there on top of, you know, he's male, I'm a female. And just so I just think it was a very interesting um, idea for us that, man, we could reach a lot of people just by having this dynamic. And so we would, you know, say, let's record it. Let's, let's have a podcast. But then we never had the time. And so when COVID hit, we suddenly found ourselves stuck at home. And it's funny because to come up with a name, do you want to tell them that story more? Come on. I was say, cause like the let's start a podcast, you know, is the millennial let's start a band. So to actually go into it, it's fantastic. And commit. We right. have to commit. Like it takes a lot of commitment because you're not going to get 2 million listeners overnight, right? Like we're not even there, but it's, it's a lot of work and you have to really love it and be dedicated to, like for it. And I will say one of the things I've discovered, though, in the process, Peter, is is definitely the process of making a podcast, of getting an opportunity to interview people and hear their story. It I walk I've walked away from so many episodes like, wow, that was amazing. So honestly, even if nobody else listens to it, which please listen to it, we want you to listen to it. Um, <laughs> But if nobody else listens to it, I definitely still am walking away feeling like it was an amazing opportunity to engage in a conversation uh, with those people. Now, Lissette did mention the, the naming process. I was thinking more like <laughs> pan dulce con café or pan dulce with coffee, you know, right. like, you know, pan dulce is Latino and then coffee. Mm -hmm. But it just it sounded almost like a dating app. <laughs> <laughs> is that already a black and brown dating app? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's it may be. Yeah. We were searching uh, adjectives that start with the letter B. Mm -hmm. We we said like black, brown, and bold. Uh, you know, we were trying to do all that, and then we realized, wait, we're both bilingue, and it just said black, brown, and bilingue. So that is how we got our name. <laughs> I was gonna ask about the name too, because I was thinking about you know, obviously your show, you know, is about you guys talk a lot about equity and about identity and intersectionality, all these things. And I think that, you know, it, it's interesting that especially the third on there, including bilingue onto that, what made you guys, aside from the alliteration, be like, this is essential to the mission and our thesis statement here? I, I think, um, you know, that it's part of that identity piece, right? Mm -hmm. um, as we as we talk about black and brown, those are the identities that are visible. Um, but realistically, being somebody who is bilingual, multilingual, um, being in this country and, and not having English as your first language, it is part of your identity. It certainly speaks um, to the experience that you're going to have here. And so I think that certainly was, was part of it. I think um, Lissette brings, obviously, a different 
experience with being bilingual from like me who learned the language as a second language, right? And, and so people are always like, in fact, I had a mom tonight ask me what my nationality was. I told her I'm, I'm, I'm American, but again, and she said, well, you speak Spanish really well. And I appreciated that, but, but what she was insinuating, right, was, no, you, you're from somewhere else because you speak this other language, right? And so I think that, that really speaks to the identity piece that, that we relate to um, in the rest of our show. Yeah, and another piece too, I always think of Lisa Delpit when she spoke about how language is so intimately connected to identity. When we um, either uh, praise or criticize someone's language, we are not just criticizing or we're not just making uh, a value judgment about the person. We're making a value judgment on that person's family, on that person's uh, network. You know, I always say this, people receive love in, in language. Mm. And so you're adding value or taking value away um, when you talk about someone's language. And so we knew from the start that we wanted to play on that piece, on that language piece. I'm curious for you guys. I, I always think about this. And even though we're in different positions since, you know, I'm a, a journalist and you guys are educators going into this podcasting things. You guys are really super candid on the show. You talk about your experience and your life a lot, you know, your marriage, your career, all this stuff. And for me, I always think it's kind of a, a balancing act, right? Like in journalism, you're not supposed to make the, you know, the, the story about you. And obviously on this show in particular, like the story is very much the guests that I have on and highlighting them. But I'm also like super aware that obviously for a podcast to be special at all, you have to let people in and, you know, give your some of yourself in there and make sure that the audience knows you and can connect to you too. I'm curious how you guys approach that going into the podcast, especially, you know, just doing the same thing and sharing yourself within the classroom and within your school building. And I'm curious if, if how you've thought about that and how much of yourself that you want to share both on the podcast and within your professional life, has that evolved over time? Yes. <laughs> so authenticity is extremely important to me because I, I have been in leadership positions that weren't necessarily a good fit. Right. And, and as you, you mature and you reflect, you realize that if you're in a space where you're not in real like alignment to who you are, it's exhausting. Leadership positions are so challenging and so rewarding. You know, I don't, I don't want to take that away from that, but if you are not in that right fit and, you know, or a place where you can be authentic, it's going to be that much more exhausting. So the same can be said for the podcast. You know, we knew coming into it that we wanted to be authentic. And, and secondly, I'm very, very much a strickler on, you know, using language that I use, you know, in my day-to-day -day life. And I always say this too, that we often research people like, communities of color are researched on, right? right? And language is a big part. But then those people that are researched on don't necessarily get a voice at the table where the decisions are being made. Hmm. And we exclude them. So for us, bringing the candor 
and the humor and our experiences um, is a way of um, bringing those people to the table, if that makes sense. Right, the, the whole, uh, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. Right, thing, right, right. And so, you know, communities like the ones that Maurice and I grew up in have been researched so much in academia, but the very people that are being researched on don't get a seat at the table. Maurice, what about you? Yeah, I, um, I guess I, I, I have really always tried to just be uh, authentic. I think that's a key word for us both. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember, and I, sh- I guess I shouldn't say always and then turn around and say, I can remember when I wasn't. But I, I can remember <laughs> in, in that adolescent um, stage, I, I can remember um, early adolescence moments where I felt like I needed to be blacker. I can remember moments where I looked around and realized I was the only black kid in, in an AP class. Um, and yet between my junior year of high school and college, I really came into a place where I was incredibly comfortable with being a black man in, in America. Um, and that comfort came with, with everything that, that, that uh, comes with that. You know, so I'm comfortable even with the discomfort, right? That sometimes comes with being a black man in America. I'm, I'm incredibly comfortable with my faith. I'm uh, incredibly comfortable with the fact that some people see my faith and my position uh, um, where I'm positioned as like this liberal person, right? They see those two things as, as opposites. Right. And yet I'm incredibly comfortable with the idea that I am a, a, a Jesus believer. And I believe that Jesus was actually a radical in a lot of ways, right? And so, again, I, I guess ultimately I would just say I'm, I'm uh, what, it, what was it that Denzel said? He said, uh, I don't, I don't scratch if there ain't no itch and I don't dance if there ain't no music. Yeah. And, and, um, that's remember the Titans. Of course it is. That's one of the most quotable movies in, 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 uh, the world. So I, I, um, uh, downs, you know, they do that weird dance and they walk in. It's supposed to be like intimidating, but you're like, what's going on (laughs) throughout the field. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, you, yeah, everywhere we go. I, I yeah. know what you're talking about, people. But, in my mind, uh, it's I, always no, like I, the Tony the Tiger like like serial commercial, right? Yeah. <laughs> it really is, actually. Well, I never thought of that. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I just um, I'm 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 incredibly um, comfortable with that, and so you know, I've shared some things on there um, where. Then I've gone and talked to my mom afterwards, and she, you know, she listens to the podcast, and she's like, "I heard what you said." I said, "Okay," and I heard what you said. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, you know. <laughs> you told me that I would da 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 da, so I, I know I, it, I, I put it out there. It is fascinating to share pieces of yourself like that publicly, right? And mm-hmm. you know, you guys talk a lot about leadership on your show and like finding your voice and being authentic as a leader. And, you know, I've talked to so many people over the last year during the pandemic about how, you know, COVID-19 has kind of collapsed some of the walls in between, like, you know, like literally we can see inside of other people's houses during class and all that. Do you feel like is it been easier or maybe even more difficult during the pandemic to be authentic as a leader and to kind of make those connections? 
Well, I'll jump in first, Lisette, because because for me this is incredibly easy. It is incredibly more difficult. More difficult. Um, for for me, and and here's why. Um, the I came this year into a building where I did not know my staff. Right, this is my first year as a principal. I signed that contract in February of 2020. And in February of 2020, that was a great idea. Good times. Lissette February was there at the board meeting. She was like, oh, yeah, look, that's my friend. Yes, he can. Her colleague. And we went to dinner after. We went to dinner and everything. We went to, by the way, we went to dinner. I remember dinner. And we sat next to one another and we didn't, we didn't wear a mask. Our families were together. The kids were playing all over one another, sneezing and stuff. Remember restaurants, guys? Remember restaurants? <laughs> right. Remember that? And, and, and so then a month later, obviously, everything changes. So this school year... I didn't get a chance to be in the building with my teachers on a regular basis until January. And so everything, authenticity through Zoom is a lot more challenging, especially you got half the cameras off, you know, I don't know how you're reacting. I don't, so, so I think that has made it more challenging. And yet I will say this past month, Right. So I would say January going into February was very difficult. February coming into March, I've just been we've been deliberate about getting better. And, and yeah, so it has become me, easier for me. I, I have the I think the opposite experience because I did know my staff. I, I feel like I'm naturally I'm an extrovert. And so I'm naturally just me and very uh, I'm an open book. And with covid, I think it made it OK to admit that we were struggling and to show that vulnerability. And I think that actually strengthened the relationships in the building. Yeah. Um, we were all struggling together. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being, this is totally normal, this seems fine. Where are you guys at right now? Does it feel closer to a seven? Is it still further towards like a three? How does it feel? That's funny you say that because, <laughs> because and I laugh, because I just made the comment like, okay, we have we have a lot of kids in the buildings. Things are feeling normal. We haven't had any office referral. Like things have been great. And then today we had a situation on the playground. And now now today, it's like a nine where it's starting to feel like, okay, we're back in the hustle and bustle of you know just being in a school. I would say today felt like a nine. Yeah. Um, On okay. average, though. I'm I'm still probably sticking around that six because there's still so many things. So today we had um, a coach come in from our reading program that we use. And um, we started engaging in some academic conversation. And um, one of our local reading coaches here in our building said something. And I said, you know what's crazy? Is this entire school year, I've not talked with my principal colleagues about like academics. Like I've not said like, hey, Lissette, what does reading intervention look like at your building? Because that has not been, it's 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 very rarely been able to be a part of our conversation, the time that we're spending together as principals. It has been, what's testing gonna look like? When, you know, what do we do when a kid gets sick? Survival you know, mode, does, right? I will say though, I'm a, I know this is contentious. I'm a fan of the masks. I haven't had a single cold. I know that's true. I'm actually a fan not, of the mask. Not that I, I go anywhere anyway. Them, so I don't know if I'll stop wearing them. Do you go with like the logo mask? Do you guys have a black, brown, bilingue mask yet? Or is it just, do you go straight? Oh, so that's funny. Color? I mentioned that and I 
the logo was looking funny. You know what? Now that you just showed that D33, shout out to D33 um, mask. Instead, I tried to design one with the entire logo on the front. I think I'm gonna have to do something off to the side. You don't get like side. one of your faces on this side, one of your faces on the other. We can't get that. <laughs> I don't want to wear my face on my face. No. Maurice um, did not like the the logo, like how he looks. We actually had a lot of fun. I was gonna say about the logo. What about the? You got the side bow tie in the logo. How, what, can you talk me through the creative process of the side? Is that how you wear bow ties or is that a creative decision? No, that's that's called the designer, Peter. And you're bringing up bad blood here, my friend. <laughs> this is what I do. This is you know, public radio. We're known yeah, you're, for stirring, you're stirring the pot. The pot. <laughs> stirring the pot. Um, uh, no, uh, you know what? It is It is what it is. Right now, every time I see it, I, I love it because, again, I think it represents something I'm excited to do and excited to be a part of. Um, and so I've given up the argument. Look, they messed my shoulders up, bro. My shoulders are not that slump. They had me looking like, you know, like you need the traps. all he types of folded up. You need the traps. Yeah, he described it as, he. we laughed when we saw it. I had a lazy eye <laughs> initially in the first, hey. like, draft. And Maurice is like, I look like an amorphous blob. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least, you're in, at least you're in the logo. Hey, I, I, we, right. we got a chalkboard in there. I, I can't even get Teacher's Lounge with host Peter Medlin in there. So <laughs> yeah. what are you going to do? You know what, Peter? I'm going to hook you up. Listen, let me know. I, I reached out to the designer. Kind of, We talked about colors. Purple is important to us because he went to Knox. That's right. And Waukegan, Waukegan High School colors are purple. And it's interesting because when we had the inauguration, Purple was also like a symbolic color of bringing people together. And I'm unity. like, you know, this unity color, this purple is like really working for us right now. So I did one last thing COVID related before all this. Do you feel like you're at the point in the year and with the way that things are trending? Have you found ways to see silver linings yet? Do you feel like you're there yet to say, hey, this has worked really, really well. We can even take us take this with us even after the pandemic is over, or we're going to continue doing it this way because it's really worked well. Yes, yes. I, you know, I think some people wonder sometimes, like, how are you a principal, and you know, you have such a so much responsibility, and it's such a time consuming job. I can say that in comparison to last year, like as as a first year principal in West Chicago. I feel like doing the podcast is so fulfilling and it's like a hobby that it makes me a better principal. I think it has helped me cope with COVID stress. And because of the guests that we've had on the show, I think it, it sounds cheesy or cliche. It's made me a better person too. I feel like I've grown a lot from the people that we've talked to. So I think those are my silver lightnings as a result of, of COVID and the pandemic. Yeah. So at, like from a straight principle level, um, one of the silver linings that has, have come out of this is the number of uh, parents we've had attend meetings because they don't have to leave work. They don't have, you know, they click a link on their phone and they're able to join in. So we actually have seen some increased parent participation um, as a result of, of some of this. You know, I think for me, I, both my wife and I ended up um, contracting COVID in January. Um, 
and and I was just like full transparency. I was like, um, I don't want to die. Like this is this is crazy, right? Um, because I knew people um, younger than me. I, I've got a friend um, who's a youth pastor up in Aurora, um, who like was on the news because he was in the hospital for a long time and nearly died. And so as I got it, I was like, I'm healthy. Like, why would, I don't understand. And it was a super mild case. And it was like the flu plus like 10%. And, you know, a few days later, I'm fine. And I worked from home that entire week. And, and I was exhausted. And I still have a little bit of rain cloud, you know, uh, as a result, um, but I'm here. And, and I so, was worried because I was like, it can't be brown and bilingue. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you got to think of another B after that. That seems like a lot of work. Yeah, like, like, do I know any she other just, black male? Yeah, that's it's like, do we know? Do we like, know someone that's for a black male who also speaks Spanish? Seeking oh, arrangements yeah. for podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I think that that really did. It, it was a it was a brief reminder. I turned 33 last month, and it was a brief reminder not to take life for granted. And like the fact that I'm still here, my kids are healthy, my wife is healthy. Um, I got a new job and made more money during a pandemic and economic turndown. Um, so I really I think I I just kind of I I do sit and I'm just like man I'm I'm blessed. I'm, I'm blessed. And, and You're about to say, I'm blessed, bro. You were just about to say, bro. I was about to say that, yeah. <laughs> I'm blessed, bro. Thank you. And I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. No, I, I, I came down with a mild case of COVID back in October, I want to say. And for me, it was the same thing. It was like a mild flu and I had trouble tasting popsicles. Like that was about the extent of it. And I really struggled with, I wanted to, I, kept, I was fine. I kept working from home, but I, it was interesting. I, I didn't feel like I obviously told my boss, but in terms of like my coworkers that, and I feel like I didn't need to like bother them with that information or something like yeah. that. So I, I didn't mention anything to my coworkers. I don't even know if they, they still know about it. They might hear about it from this podcast right now, but it is really interesting the way that, you know, people have had to manage this and how much they feel like they can divulge versus how much of this is, Oh, it's not that bad for me. So I can keep going. Mm-hmm. It's very odd. Yeah, it uh, there definitely was was some of that. And I I remember there there were some things that like I missed, you know, that like I should have been doing, and I was just like, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm so tired, I'm I'm exhausted, um, and and even you know in that recovery phase, I remember being super excited to come back to work, but the end of that first day back, I was beat, man. I was I was exhausted, and so. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that I'm I'm grateful uh, again to have come through it, and um, it was it was challenging because that was actually the same time our students were coming back into the building in late January, and I missed that first week. So shout out to my AP um, who held the building down and um, and did a great job. Um, but you know, it's 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 all good. We're here. And yeah, I feel like this is a. a portion of the conversation that I cannot relate to. I, I haven't gotten COVID. I don't, 
I've got a wood yeah, table in front of me. Board, right. I got my second dose though, so I'm feeling pretty good. Oh, <laughs> weeks though. You guys you still got two weeks. One more week from tomorrow, okay, right? You, right? You guys but... both got it. I did not. You have not. I did. Yeah, they told they. I'm supposed to wait 90 days, and I'm only out to like day 45 or something. I'm excited because I I want to be around my family more now, and we're all getting vaccinated, so it's an exciting it's an exciting time. And I think that's why when you asked earlier, like on a scale of one to ten, that's why I think it's high on my mind right now because I'm going to see my family this weekend and. I've really interacted with them, so I'm excited. Oh man, that's huge. That's huge. It's it's going to be probably a little emotional. I was going to say, I can't imagine how emo- that would be emotional. Oof. Yeah. With the podcast, I know you guys are kind of expanding it out into different media. I saw that you guys had your first professional development as a result of it. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like? It was stressful. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, both, yeah. 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 I remember Lissette asked me maybe about a week and a half out from the the PD, why did we sign up to do this? (laughs) Why why did we do this? We are in the middle of working and we got all this stuff going on. You guys weren't nearly busy enough, right? But you know what? She killed it. She killed it. And and, um, I think we both did a great job, I think. Uh, and, and that's the feedback that we got um, from some folk who um, have been around education for a long time. Um, it's something that we are going to certainly look to do again. Um, and I think... I gained uh, five pounds just leading up to it, not lying, because I was stress eating. And, um, you know, I will say those, that one of the rewarding things was to see how far reaching it was. We had some people from Canada coming on. Yeah, the development, you guys got to touch on some of the culturally responsive learning standards too, right? Which Maurice, and finally lets me do the plug, Maurice was one of the writers. He always plugs himself in and I'm like, can you wait for me to plug that in? I was going to plug it too, so you beat me to the plug. It's a power strip over here. We're plugging everyone. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Hey, I like what you did there, Peter. Okay. Okay. Yes, we, we, we definitely uh, got a chance to, to touch on those. I think the, the content of the PD was incredibly powerful. Like, honestly, when we got done putting it together, we looked at it and we're like, oh, no, I think we did a thing here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think we, we really, because we, we really tried to look at, um, you know, ways to uplift languages other than English, other than, quote, unquote, standard English um in in the classroom um and so the idea that that even students who are coming in speaking english are maybe have a a different uh accent or dialect or vernacular um that they're bringing in and how we can like lissette was talking about earlier how we can really honor that language because language is so deeply connected to identity um, and not only honor it, but how can we leverage it to produce more learning? Um, and so um, if that sounds interesting to you, check us out. We'll be back on, you know, sometime maybe yeah. in May or June. And, yeah, and we and there's more to that first episode that we talked, or there's more on that topic in that first episode when we talk about a brother and a Latina walking to a school. And I share the experience of... Uh, having to translate for my dad at a parent teacher conference because he didn't speak English. And the fact that my teacher 
didn't have, didn't say anything like disparaging, but she didn't take the time to acknowledge the fact that as a second grader, I had this ability to translate at a parent-teacher conference and how that was so deeply damaging to my sense of self. Yeah, I, I love that. Especially, it, it reminds me actually, like I said, I, I've been binging episodes of the show today in preparation for this. And there was something, Lisette, that you said, and this is this may be a paraphrase, but you were talking about how kind of equity, especially for marginalized people, is more than just you know making them feel warm and fuzzy. It's about actively trying to like dismantle those oppressive structures and things like that. And it reminds mm-hmm. me of what you're saying, and what Maurice just said too, right, about how looking at language and bilingualism and all these things is not just, you know, something that's good and to be acknowledged, but also as an advantage and actually as something that helps within the learning process and is a good, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, ethnic identity is uh, what uh, Gloria, I think, she's a poet, I'm going to butcher her last name, but Gloria Anzaldua, she said, ethnic identity is twin skin to linguistic identity. And I think that in the current uh, equity climate, right? In the conversations that we're having, language is often left out. And so when we wanted to develop a a session for for PD, we're like, what can we tackle? We're black, brown and bilingue. What angle can we address? And so that's where the idea of focusing on language and those oppressive structures uh, came about. Yeah, the I thought one of the one of the powerful pieces that really came out um, of of preparing for that PD, um, I think we understood bilingualism and the idea that that a student who was coming in bilingual, right? One of the things we talked about is you hear somebody with an accent, and and the American response to an accent is, oh, well, they don't speak English well, except oftentimes they would say they don't speak English good because they also don't speak English. They <laughs> <laughs> good English. That's fair. Yeah. Um, the best, the best English, all the right. best words. Um, but, but instead, when you hear an accent, recognizing that that means that person probably speaks more than one language. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so put some respect on their name. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Honor, honor the idea that that person's accent actually carries with it, it's a badge that says, I am multilingual. That's one piece. And I I think, though, um, one of the things that came out for me that that really struck me, even as like the producer of this PD, we we pulled a lot of information from other folks. One of the things that struck me, though, was the importance and the significance of of what is often academically referred to as African-American vernacular. Yes, I was going to touch on that, too. AKA what I call and what I think most folk living uh, in, 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 in DeKalb would just call Ebonics, right? But I know that that's offensive to some. So academically, they refer to it as African-American vernacular English. And it's just this idea that this is not, this is not standard English with mistakes. Yes. It is a, a language that follows, uh, not a language, right? It's not a separate language, right? but it is a vernacular, vernacular or a dialect that follows certain rules, right? And you cut mm-hmm. off the G off of words. Hey, yeah. well, you, you know, what are, what you doing, right? That G is gone. And, and uh, you know, these other rules that, that, that show up. Yeah. Um, and another thing, too, going off of that, Maurice, is we talked about 
really the vigor and the vitality of the English language. Language is not static. We're constantly making new words. Oh, we please. adopt, yep, we adopt words, we borrow them, you know, like it's lit. Yeah. yeah, burrito, you know, like we borrow words all the time. And so while some people view that as, you know, just like a really positive characteristic of the English language, other people view it as like like mind rot. Like this is not the bastardization. Yes, of bastardization yeah. of language. And so in the PD, we really talk about, you know, there was a huge like section on like just the linguistics of it all. And so with that frame, you go into African American vernacular and Spanglish, and language is dynamic. It's constantly changing. Were you guys? <laughs> I'm gonna need you. you I'm gonna need you to end the. Like, I'm gonna need you to yeet. end this podcast with a yeet uh, later on. <laughs> I like the mink, mink, mink. <laughs> like when you're gonna muff somebody. <laughs> Sorry, go oh ahead. My gosh. No, it's good. I was wondering. I, I thought about this, and I thought about you, Maurice, since you helped write those culturally responsive standards. When I want to say a couple weeks ago or a month ago. I don't know if they were announced or there was some more discussion about it. And I was wondering if either of you guys were surprised at all by the, and I'm going to use really, really heavy air quotes here, controversy mm. around them. And no. <laughs> I figured no. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I mean, Peter, here's, here's what I've told multiple folk. Cause I, I had a chance to, I wrote a couple of letters to the editors and had a chance to speak to the Chicago Tribune editorial board about them. Um, and um, I'm convinced that had we attempted to pass these in 2019, because we've been done writing them for a long time. Yeah. Had we attempted to pass them in 2019, it would have been very, very different. There still would have been some controversy. Um, but the year 2020, mm. what, what started with Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor, and 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 you know, I, I think um, then then election twenty twenty um, and some of the rhetoric around that. Um, I, I think the timing of this all right, and then you come into twenty twenty one, and and you get your January sixth insurrection. The timing of it all was was such that we were in such a place of of. Uh, divisiveness that that of course there was negative response. Um, the idea, because here's here's. What, uh, ooh, sorry, Maurice. Uh, uh, yeah, hold on. Let me let me just finish okay, this. Okay, because I'm trying not to forget because I'm forgetful. Um, <laughs> You'll be right at that. This this, I just heard somebody say it like this. All of this talk about anti-critical race theory, which by the way, is not even a huge part of these standards, but all of this idea of anti-critical race theory, everybody has a race theory. So everybody has a theory about race. When you start critiquing the mainstream theory about race, that's when people get upset. Mm -hmm. They want you to just stay where you are and just look, this is the way it's been for 300 years, you just leave it be. But no, we're not going to do that. Uh, again, all of that is really an aside. The, the, the culturally responsive teaching standards are going to be beneficial for all students. But no, I was not surprised by the response. 
Yeah, I wasn't, you know, I, and I'm sorry I interjected. What I really want, like what I wanted to say, it's because it is, I, I while I was not surprised, as I heard you describe, and, I, and I've heard you say this before, Maurice, where, you know, 2020 was a tough year, George Floyd, um, the pandemic, all of that. I heard you say that, but as I heard you describe it yet again, I actually think 2020 was the perfect backdrop to show that there is this need for something like these standards. You know, what better time to show like this, we need to pass these standards. True. If what is happening today is not evidence of that, then it, then something like this will never get passed. So I'm almost thinking this was the perfect backdrop for that. Cultural responsive teaching is about knowing your students, mm -hmm. understanding their cultural context, where they live, where they've grown up, what their background is. So the example I often give is that if I'm going to be a culturally responsive teacher teaching in DeKalb County, which is still over 80% farmland, part of my culturally responsive teaching is going to engage agriculture. It's going to engage uh, farming economics, right? It's, it's Those are ways that I can connect to some of the students that are in my building uh, if, I'm, if I'm in DeKalb County. Um, and, and so again, We've got to get beyond this idea uh, that, that, it's that it's just, just about, race. Right, that it's just race. However, another thing that I've heard is, uh, well, if you teach about like that, that racial stuff, um, how will the white kids feel? To which I say, what about the other 18% of your building that's African-American? How will they feel the previous 200 years of public education? So, <laughs> so let's, let's, let's get beyond that. Uh, I, I'll, this is the last thing I'll say, last thing I'll say, because I could, I, I, obviously, you see, I got hyped about this, and I could go on about this forever. Last thing I'll say is this. Um, it is paramount to understand, and I think the culturally responsive teaching standards will help us get there. It's paramount that we understand that nobody has to lose power to expand power. You may lose privilege but my goal as a culturally responsive teacher is not to empower my black students and empower my Latino students and make my white students weak. That that's, not, that's not my goal. I can, I can empower all students. But right now, statistically and everything else, we can see that our system has historically, over and over again, empowered one group of students and lessen other groups, yeah, other students. A fundamental piece, I think, of the standards too is to acknowledge the humanity of students, right? That really is at its core what it's all about. Yeah. Well, guys, I would be remiss not to mention that the podcast is not even the only project that you guys have going on. You guys have other stuff on the docket as well. Lisette, I was told that you are launching a project as well that is about can you tell, tell can you tell me about this yes actually we just launched leading latina again 2020 was the perfect backdrop for that because whenever you try to find any sort of research on latinas in leadership role it's non-existent i think right now maybe some people are working on that but we are so grossly underrepresented in uh leadership roles in education we are definitely an afterthought. Um, and so the mission of that is to amplify the voices of Latinas in leadership roles or those who are aspiring to 
to become leaders. I'm super excited. We've got some also some great people to interview, but this will be in the form of a blog. Eventually, we want to branch out into mentorship, scholarships, um, and just to be that network to lean on one another because, yes, there are females in leadership roles, but it's different when you have that added layer of being, you know, Latina. Where can people go and to find that? Um, they can go to leadinglatina.com. Again, more of these plugs. <laughs> yes, we really are a power strip. Yeah, and I've got some books in the work, so I'm really excited. Oh my gosh. And then Maurice, I heard that you are also starting a nonprofit. Uh, yes, yeah, we have um, uh, started a nonprofit. It is called M68 Ministries, um, and uh, that stands for MICA 68. Um, and uh, one of my favorite scriptures, it simply says, uh, you know, uh, man, you know what God requires of you, and that is to uh, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. And so that really is, uh, I mean, exemplifies how I attempt to live my life. Um, we, we actually officially started in December of 2020, um, but we were jump-started, jump-kicked into action um, during that cold spell here um, locally in DeKalb, in which we were able to um, help put some um, of our uh, homeless um, community members um, up in a hotel. Um, and shout out to Hope Haven, they do a great job. These were folk who, for whatever reason, did not feel comfortable there. Um, and so not attempting to step on anybody's toes, you know, but just trying to do, do a work. And um, at negative 20, you need to be inside. And so we were able to do that and, um, and uh, are, are looking forward to a few other things that we've got in the works, um, including some, some um, employment opportunities um, uh, for folk who are recently um, out of um, the prison system. So um, man, just uh, again, blessed to be able to be a part of that. And where can people go to find more information about that? So uh, soon and very soon, the uh, website will drop m68ministries.com. Um, but in the meantime, uh, our email is uh, m68ministries at gmail.com. All right. Well, all right, guys. Well, the last thing I wanted to end with is I've, again, been binging these episodes all day today. I know that you guys like to end things by asking what your guests wants people to take away from this. So I will turn the tables yet again. And ask you that same question. Oh, now she wants me to go first. I've been, <laughs> I've been... Okay, here's another thing. When we started on the, on the, and I don't know if you could pick this up or not, Maurice would always talk over me. <laughs> I, could, like, I had to like fight my way to say something. But, but we're honest. We're friends. Maurice, don't give me the same guy. Okay? It was girl, I got a smile on my face, girl. I'm, I'm you know, good. You know, it's true. So I had to like, fight my way so now i think i'm like i gotta fight my way to talk to peter um so sorry <laughs> no you're good we're i know we we have we have found a balance we have found a balance and so we we recognize like i'll defer to her defer to her and then she'll be like oh, okay okay i'm gonna I'm a pull back now and then i'll go and answer a couple we're good i do feel like we really have a thing okay um so Peter, great question. What I want uh, the listeners to walk away with today, um, you know, honestly, I, I want you to, to, to check us out. If you um, are not somebody who listens to podcasts. I would hope they um, are if they're listening right now. <laughs> right, right. Um, 
but but if you are not, you're 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 missing out. I would um, imagine that if, the people, if you like this podcast, right. I'd say the Venn diagram is almost just two circles on top of each other. <laughs> <laughs> so so that would be my my thing. I want you to check us out, and I want you to give us feedback. All right, guys. Well, thanks for jumping on. It's been again. It's been a hot minute since. 2019 since Lissette was on here and it's been a while Maurice I always really appreciate having you guys on and talking we should do this again and hey make sure they ask Neil deGrasse Tyson I want to know about Titan the the moon of Saturn make sure you ask him about that (laughs) there's a there's a there's a big sphere of ice or there's an ocean underneath the ice I want to know more about it Yes, I look at I'm writing the question right now. Yeah, no, Neil, we're excited for Neil. So that's awesome. Maybe we'll get some more listeners there. I'll plug you in again. I'm gonna plug you in. Listen, you need to go to the teacher's lounge, Neil. <laughs> I appreciate it as always, guys. Again, we should make this happen again. Thanks so much. Yes. All right, bye. All right, Thank bye. You. Thank you for listening. As always, feel free to nominate a teacher in your life to be on our show. It's how we get great guests like Maurice and Lizette in the first place. Send them our way, teacherslounge at niu.edu. And wherever you're hearing this podcast, subscribe, leave us a rating, share us, whatever you can do. It helps us get more people on. And thanks to the Northern Illinois band Kindos for the music that you hear in the show. Shout out to Spencer Tripp for our logo. I've been your host, Peter Medlin, and we'll be back with more Teacher's Lounge very, very soon. See ya.